0: Dr. Don Weaver is a jack of many trades and a master of pretty much all of them. That's according to the biography that was sent over to me, and I I like that phrase. Uh, Doctor, researcher, origami master of drug design, multiple patent holder, micropharma founder, firebrand teacher, multiple award recipient. Uh, It goes on and on. You're a a neuroscientist.
1: Yes, yes, I'm a neuroscientist. To
0: keep it it
1: tight. Yes. So uh, tell me exactly what that means. What is a neuroscientist? A neuroscientist is a person who studies the brain and tries to figure out how it makes you, you. And and how did you become involved in this? Did you start off as a generalist
0: or as a, you know, just studying medicine and, and we were attracted to the brain and its inner workings?
1: Uh, no, uh, when I was in medical school, early on in medical school, I really became fascinated by patients with neurologic diseases. Uh, they are quite interesting, mm-hmm. you know. And you'd be looking at them, going, and no one can figure them out. <laughs> they're, they're they're not straightforward, and and that's a puzzle, and that's interesting. And I think I
0: guess the thing that makes them a puzzle is the idea that symptoms can vary from person to oh, person. Oh, certainly, from, yes. You know, the, the, the brain is still, it's kind of like the dark side of the
1: moon. We still don't know <laughs> that much about it, right? Well, well, the brain is the most complicated structure in the universe. Mm-hmm. There's a 100 billion neurons in there, and you and I are fundamentally different people, although we both have a human brain. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you can have people with, the same diagnosis, and mm-hmm. their symptoms are completely different. And is that? And I know Alzheimer's research, and
0: you've been involved in some of this. And I was doing some reading mm-hmm. uh, about your work, and, yes. and how frustrating some of that work is. <laughs> yes, uh, because of, of the, the complexity, I,
1: the complexity
0: of Certainly. it, and, and everyone is slightly different.
1: Yeah, I mean that's why we call it research, not just search, because we have to repeat everything over <laughs> and over again, and you know, you, you have to thrive on failure uh, to do uh, neuroscience research.
0: You know, it's it's interesting. Failure seems to be a a topic that comes up on this show uh, over and over and over again, (laughs) Uh, usually with artists saying, you know, you you never – the first draft of the novel is never the one that that you see. The first five novels are never the ones that get published. And failure is an important part of any kind of process. Whether it's medical, I, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the, the the idea that I have in my head about this is that the work that you do isn't strictly scientific, which of course it is, but there's also a huge dollop of creativity.
1: Oh, immense, in, in an immense, branding. yes. Um, the uh, If it was easy to do, it would have been done. Right. Um, and <laughs> so the uh, you have to be very creative. Uh, everyone is working on neuroscience, a lot of people are, and a lot of people are failing. And mm-hmm. so if you're gonna go down a new avenue, which is what is required, you uh, had better be creative.
0: Now, in the Alzheimer's research that you're doing, Mm -hmm. uh, the one article that I read about you – you were you, you were on the, the cusp of something. Uh, we've always been on the cusp, yes. Yeah, on the yes. cusp, yeah, <laughs> yep, you're yep. on the edge. And yes. then, it, and then, and then... Yeah, Some days I feel like I'm on the edge, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. And then and then it didn't happen, and then something happened. Yep. It, tell me about the frustration that goes along with that, or is there any? Is it just oh, part of the oh, now it's... natural process?
1: Yeah. Um, I've been trying to come up with drugs for Alzheimer's disease since the early 1990s. Um, and so, uh, you know, if... Um, uh, if failure makes you brighter than I ought to be a genius, um, <laughs> so uh, you, know, you have ideas, you work on them and you get all excited and you go, oh, this is it, this is it, uh, and it fails. And you're down for a couple of days, but then you suck it up and go, but I learned a lot from that mm-hmm. failure. I learned a- an awful lot. Uh, and you repitch, start going again, and you know, within several weeks, the failure's forgotten. You're excited about your next approach.
0: Is there more of a pressing need? There's always been a need for it. Is there more of a pressing need for it? Because it seems to me, uh, just anecdotally, that I'm hearing more and more cases of early onset Alzheimer's than maybe I would have heard of 20 years ago. It seems to me uh, that it, it's more widespread than it once was.
1: Uh, certainly, it's more recognized than it was before. I think maybe that's it. And um, people are living longer, too. You know. Yeah, those are the two key f- uh, features. Number one. You know, 40 years ago, people just said, well, mom or dad, they're getting senile. uh, And they wouldn't talk about it. Now we diagnose it. That and the number of people who live over the age of 80 and 90 is going up. uh, And Alzheimer's and dementia is a disorder of aging. And so the numbers are increasing as our population increases. It's
0: it's such a fascinating thing. My father uh, had dementia Mm -hmm. near the end of his life. He was almost 90. Yes. And the, the various things that happened to him, he called my brother at one point and he said, I don't know where I am. And my brother said, Well, you know, tell me where you describe where you are. Well, he was clearly calling from his home as well. So Mm -hmm. and 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 he said, Well describe where you are and he said, Well, everything looks like my house. Yes. They have they've they've recreated the house here, but it's not my house. Yes. And and that to me was fascinating because where in the inner Workings of the, of the brain, brain did that come, come from? from? Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. Uh, you know, that's not an unusual symptom. I see it a lot. Right? Um, the, uh, the, uh, certainly, the most tragic symptom I see is, you know, somebody comes in with their spouse of 50 years mm-hmm. uh, and they're in the examining room, they'll lean over to me and they'll go, I don't know who that person is, but they're very nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and how as a doctor do you deal with that? What, what it, it, because part of what you're doing with patients is bedside manner yes. a, a, as well. How, what do you say and how do you deal with someone who uh, doesn't know, doesn't
1: recognize their, their wife or husband? Um, Alzheimer's is not a disease of a patient. It's a disease of a family. Mm. And so, uh, you know, when you have the patient and you have the family in there, all of them are looking at you. All of them are dependent upon what you're saying, um, and you know you're there to be compassionate, to provide understanding, uh, and you know there's not much you can do. I mm-hmm. mean, we certainly have no drugs that work, uh, and so you know you look at the patient and you try to explain what the processes are. Chances are the patient's not going to remember, yeah. uh, but the family will, um, and so you have to be very clear in your discussion, um, and you know try to provide some insight because. Understanding helps. If they can understand the process, they get some benefit from that.
0: I'm speaking with Dr. Don Weaver, uh, a neuroscientist, and we're we're talking about Alzheimer's. Now we're going to talk about James Cagney later and concussions. <laughs> You'll see That's how good. I weave all this together seamlessly. Uh, I'm, but
1: I'm glad you're going to weave it. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll
0: we'll get there. We'll get there shortly. But I, I am interested in this, I'm, I'm, and yes. I think a lot of people will be so. You hear all the time, there's always, like, if you drink red wine, it'll fight off dementia, all that kind of thing. And <laughs> yep, you're laughing yep. because, of course, that's I've all nonsense. I've heard it all. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, so my personal take on this one uh, is several years ago, I published a paper about maple syrup mm. uh, that uh, maple syrup extracts uh, seem to prevent the proteins that are implicated in Alzheimer's disease from clumping. Uh, it attracted a lot of attention. I mean, very Canadian thing, maple yeah, yeah, syrup, course, you know. Yeah. And, and we uh, have lots of it here. And we have lots of it. You know, a cure that tastes good. <laughs> um, I never said it was a cure. Yeah. And so, uh, if you look at these various, um, we call them natural products, chemicals that come from natural things like red wine. Mine, which contains something called resveratrol. Uh, and in the last couple of weeks, I put something on coffee. Uh, the um, Yeah, in the test tube, they work. Right. Doesn't mean they're going to work in reality. Uh, so when you take a, a chemical in, it has to have the ability to get into your brain. We call that crossing the blood-brain barrier. Most of these things don't get in the brain. Mm-hmm. So they may work in the test tube, but they probably don't work. Uh, you, you've been working on this for a long time,
0: you say, since the early 90s. Yep. Is I mean, are we looking at a time when there'll be a
1: vaccine for Alzheimer's and dementia? Uh, a vaccine, not so much. But, I mean, or something. Uh, a, yeah, a pill yeah or, certainly. Or a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I am optimistic. Yeah. The um, uh, I mean, uh, The knowledge base that we have now compared to 20 years ago night and day completely completely different um certainly uh i mean we understand the disease much better uh and uh i would like to think that within the next five ten years yeah we're gonna have something
0: and w- so it's not when i vaccine, say we i don't necessarily we, yeah, mean yeah, yeah, me the, the i mean royal we, the, yeah the yeah. royal we that's and, correct and it, it's not a, a vaccine is it a pill? What what form could it possibly
1: take? Uh, right now there are uh, two sorts of therapeutics that that are vying uh, for the honor. Mm-hmm. Um, the first are what we call small molecules, drugs. Yeah. Uh, so You know, things like uh, aspirin or penicillin, those are small molecules. The other approach are called biologics. So much bigger molecules that have to be injected uh, and injected periodically. So it's either going to be a small molecule or biologic, uh, but there is furious activity in both of these therapeutic approaches and some fairly significant advances are being made. And we've just got a couple of minutes left in the segment, so I'll stick with this. Sure.
0: How, uh, I mean, how do we diagnose this? Uh, are there really early warning signs that people can look for? Or, I mean, everyone, as you get older, I'm 55. Sometimes I oh, forget. Oh, you don't look it. So. Yeah. Well, thank uh, <laughs> you. Thank you.
1: I'm an old man. And
0: and and, and occasionally I forget things. I mm-hmm. forget, you know, and
1: I think, my God, is it happening to me? Yes. Yes. Uh, I hear that all the time. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I hate saying these are early symptoms because, you know, uh, my office will be flooded mm-hmm. by uh, requests. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody forgets things. Mm-hmm. Everyone forgets their keys. Um, It happens. It's not. Uh, So, you know, persistent memory problems, persistent problems with cognition, trying to understand things, those could be warning signs. Uh, The the diagnosis, we're much better than we were once again 20 years ago. Uh, And, uh, you know, we can reach a diagnosis of dementia and probable Alzheimer's disease with a fair degree of confidence now. Do we have any idea why music seems to be uh, such a
0: strong trigger for people? Uh, I'm told, and maybe you'll disagree, that. Uh, you know, musicians can remember the lyrics to songs that they wrote 30 years ago or or chord progressions and things where they can't remember what they had for lunch.
1: Well, uh, in uh, dementia Alzheimer's disease, short-term memory is the first thing to go. Long-term right. memory is frequently intact. So if you're an accomplished musician, you, you learned that long time mm-hmm. ago. Uh, and so it's not unusual that that would be the, the last thing to go. As for music itself, certainly it's appreciated that music therapy is of benefit for many people with Alzheimer's. And, and why is that, do you think? Um, it's, uh, you know, they are looking for things in their environment that are comforting. Uh, and they usually have fond memories, associated with music. Music is more frequently associated with pleasant thoughts than negative thoughts.
0: When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Don Weaver, and we're going to uh, eventually get to a James... Cagney movie called Captains of the Clouds. This was the first Hollywood movie shot in its entirety in Canada Uh, but there's more to it than that. That's not the reason it's not for nationalistic reasons that we're talking about this. We're talking about this because it's a fascinating look into the world of concussions. Stay with me when we come back more with Dr. Don Weaver. Dr. Don Weaver is my guest in studio. He's a neuroscientist. They call him the origami master of drug design. We have to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but you're also now the director of the Kremble Research Institute, and yes. you do a lot of work uh into uh, the inner workings of the brain, into mm-hmm. Alzheimer's dementia, yeah. that sort of thing. And when the microphones were turned off here, uh, you were talking about how you had written some poems for yes. your
1: your patients. And uh, tell me a little bit, it was fascinating. Tell me a little bit about that. Certainly. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Alzheimer's disease is not a disease just of the patient. It's a disease of the family. Uh, the family is suffering. In fact, arguably the family is suffering more because the person with Alzheimer's may have lost insight into the problem that's afflicting them. Mm-hmm. Um, And the family needs to know that it's okay for them to suffer. Um, They really don't know sometimes how to emotionally respond to what's happening in their family and in their lives. Uh, You know, they feel guilty that maybe they're not providing enough care. There's just so many elements that go into this. Um, And so a number of years ago, I took to occasionally writing poetry. I'm not a great poet, Um, uh, and if you uh, look up any of the poems, you will agree with that statement. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the families seem to appreciate it, Uh, and I had a number of them um, uh, actually published, and some families got a hold of them, downloaded them, and they have said, you know, thank you. Uh, we appreciated that. Uh, it meant a lot to us, and it it reflected some of the of the feelings that they had. Well, it can be conflicting
0: or confounding to be uh, the family member of someone with Alzheimer's. Oh, certainly. When when there are flashes of the person they once were. Yes. Uh, that that shine through. Yep. Uh, and and. Then other times,
1: there's nothing left of the person they were. And I think it, it can be very difficult to accept. It, it certainly is. Uh, I mean, they sit and they have all these fond memories of mm-hmm. what mom or dad was like 15, 20 years ago. And they look at this individual now who looks like mom and dad, mm-hmm. but they're not mom. They're not dad. Uh, they're a different sort of person. And, you know, it, it's emotionally stressful. There's a film, the
0: name of which I can't remember, but uh, Donald Sutherland plays a man with Alzheimer's disease. Helen Marin is his is his wife. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I don't remember. Yes. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the title. <laughs> but uh, but it maybe just, I should see a neurologist. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but mm-hmm. <laughs> well, luckily I have one in studio with me today. But it, it's it's. Uh, there's a scene where they're having a, a a lucid conversation, and they haven't had one for a little while. And, yes. and and he says, "My life has been stolen from me. My life, all the things that that I loved, have been taken." And she says, "My life has been taken from me. You took my life away when you're yes when 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 Alzheimer's hit you." And That's and, a very eloquent way of putting it. Yeah, and it and it is. It was it, to me, it's the best thing in that movie. That speech yes. is the best thing in that movie, yes. as I remember. But um, uh, but it really felt. Uh, it, it really hit close to home. I think yes. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, James Cagney. Yes. Big movie star. Certainly. Yankee doodle dandy, shoving grapefruits in, in, <laughs> in Virginia Mayo's face. This guy was a, as big a movie star in the 30s and 40s and early 50s, I think, as anyone out yes. there. And uh, he made a movie in 1941 called Captains of the Clouds. It was... Uh, a a propaganda film, essentially. It was meant to... Start of the war. Start of the war. It was meant to, I think, uh, sort of... Stir patriotism. Stir patriotism and get people interested in in enlisting. Now, by the time it came out, the U.S. was already involved in the war, so that wasn't as important, but it was a good... It was uh, important for Canada. It was important for Canada. It was a a good uh, recruitment uh, tool for Canada. Uh, But you noticed something fascinating about this movie. So, I think anyone that has seen this, if you catch it late at night on television or, or whatever, would see it as an interesting artifact of a time-long gone, uh, a patriotic war film that that uh, was a little stagey.
1: Yes. That, that, yeah.
0: Special effects were
1: 1941. Yeah,
0: and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, you look at it uh, from a different point of view, or a different Certainly. perspective.
1: So um, in this film... Uh, He, uh, at one point, lands his pontoon plane Mm -hmm. um, and he gets out um, and he is uh, continuing to tie up his aircraft uh, and he gets struck in the head uh, by the airplane propeller, then falls down and hits his head on the pontoon and goes into the water. Um, And when you look at it, you go, either he's a great actor. Or that was real. Well, uh, here's and, the thing. My research
0: suggests that it was in the script and that normally they
1: would call in a stunt person. And, and he he's like, I don't need a stunt person. Yeah.
0: I've made millions of movies.
1: Yes. Yeah. So he um, uh, was showing off and decided to go without the benefit of a stuntman mm-hmm. and that he would do his own stunt. Uh, and uh, oops, yeah. uh, he he really did. Uh, get hit on the head. He really did bounce his head off that pontoon and went in the water and did sustain a relatively significant concussion Which apparently delayed filming uh, now, let's talk about
0: before we move yes. on with mm-hmm. the story here yeah. Let's talk about exactly what a concussion is okay. from your
1: medical point of view uh, a concussion uh, occurs when there is a mechanical event That affects the body that can disrupt brain function and the point i want to make out here is that everyone seems to think you have to be hit on the head you can get a concussion from being hit elsewhere as long as it sloshes your brain around right so if it's jarring enough you can get hit by a car in your chest
0: in your chest and and your
1: your brain uh your brain floats in there Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it, it sloshes around back and forward and that is enough. So, you know, a, a hard hit anywhere can, you know, if you if you uh, slip on the ice and you and you land on your bottom and you go, "Wow, I saw stars," well, you didn't see stars because of your bottom. You saw stars because yeah. your head was getting jostled about. Yeah,
0: and those uh, those little things people refer to as stars. They're kind of like little pins of light almost.
1: That reflects the fact that your head took a bit of a whack. Yeah, and it's your brain. Uh, Brain and your eyes are, well, I always say, you know, eyes are just the window on the brain. So um, they are, uh, you know, indicating to you that your head uh, got sloshed about a bit there. And... um, You know, uh, it wasn't so long ago that we'd sort of laugh about concussions Mm -hmm. and go, well, I got my bell rung. Now we appreciate the the, uh, strong significance of this. And I think the NHL or
0: the NFL has been – uh, helpful, or the uh, former players of the NFL have been yes. helpful in the Yes, I, I of mean certainly that has
1: at... been very, very noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, what's been happening with the professional athletes uh, in recognizing that uh, having a concussion, especially having repeated concussions, not a good idea.
0: Yeah, why is it that all of a sudden, you know, twenty-five years after these football players retire, that you know there's <laughs> a very high.
1: Uh, rate of, of brain disease? Which... Certainly. There's this entity called chronic traumatic encephalopathy or CTE. So if we look at Alzheimer's, uh, one of the major types of dementia, there are these two proteins. One's mm-hmm. called tau, one's called amyloid. And when they clump up, bad things happen to your brain. Uh, so if you have been involved uh, with multiple concussions, uh, then this this protein called tau can become involved, can start to clump up. And when that happens, you know, you become predisposed to dementia. Uh, So it's not immediately after, but certainly a long-term consequence of repeated uh, head trauma, like concussions, uh, set you up for this. When we come back, we continue the discussion
0: with Dr. Don Weaver. We're going to talk all about Captains of the Clouds uh, shot in North Bay, Ontario where you're from where I'm from. So there's a, a personal connection here as well. Uh, and James Cagney. Stay my guest in studio is Dr. Don Weaver. He's a neurologist and also James Cagney expert. Is that <laughs> fair I to wouldn't say? go that far, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> you were born in North Bay, Ontario. Yep. And so there's a film called Captains of the Clouds that was shot in North Bay, Ontario. As I mentioned earlier, the first big Hollywood movie to be shot uh In its entirety, in Canada. And so it's a thing. You know, it's a little bit of of Canadian Hollywood. In in Technicolor. In Technicolor, that's right. Yes. Yeah, and and it's a James Cagney movie. He's a big star. It's 1941. If you're just joining us, we touched on this earlier, but it's 1941. It was shot to be kind of a propaganda film to encourage recruitment. Uh America entered the war. Didn't work so well for for that, but in Canada, made us look like geniuses up here. Yes, uh, and James Cagney had an accident where he gave himself uh, a concussion. In those days. He probably gave his head a shake and said, I can remember my lines. I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to get right back to work. And that's what he did. But you notice something from watching this in your capacity, both as a film fan, James Cagney expert, and a neurologist. <laughs> uh, you notice
1: something. Certainly, if you uh, watch the film in slow motion, and, and I enjoy doing that, I don't get out much so, uh, and, uh, the, um, uh And you actually watch when he strikes his head and goes into the water, there's some unusual posturing of his arm. You know, and just the way that he looks, you kind of go, "Oh, oh." Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he took a he took a hit to the head here, yeah. um, and uh, certainly, if, if one researches this, uh, uh, it find you find out that he took a couple of days off uh, from filming immediately after this, which was unusual. Apparently, he had not done that before in his career. Well, um, he was an old vaudevillian, right? He was a yes. song and
0: dance. To the show must go on, kind of guy. Yes, right? yeah,
1: he would suck it up and do it. Yep. Uh, and so you know he must have been hurting uh, to, to have taken a couple of, of days off. Uh, the other points that I can glean from having researched this is when he came back he was more frequent to ad-lib his lines uh, than to actually to have remembered them and his accent slipped um, and so I mean this was supposed to be a Canadian yeah, film yeah. and you know he and he was supposed to be a bush pilot in, in Northern Ontario Speaking with a, a Brooklyn accent may not have been the, <laughs> the you know, most desirable. Uh, and they were trying to get away from his tough guy uh, American accent, and that began to to slip in. So you know, clearly he was uh, he was hit somewhat. the The other thing that I find absolutely fascinating about this, though, is he finished the film, mm-hmm. went on, and um, the film stopped finishing uh, finished up filming in about September 1941. In December 1941, he started filming Yankee Doodle Dandy, his his major yeah. film, um, which was. A very energetic, boisterous film. I mean, he's bouncing up and down staircases. He's doing all sorts of things, and you go, you know, that was two months after a major concussion. Um, he was a tough guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: and you said something about his his, the, his body posture. His yeah, yeah. His the body. way the way
1: he was holding his arm and twisting right. himself a little bit when he went in, you go, well, there's a brain that took a hit.
0: Yeah, and and there are. I mean, you can get hit in the head and not have a concussion. Right,
1: uh, I mean that. Uh, oh no! Well, going to say no? Yeah. <clears throat> no neurologist says you should get hit in the head. Well, no, we're not um, suggesting.
0: Do not try this at home. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, said, I that, that, that is that correct. That. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I mean, we don't like any hits on right. the head. Right. Um, the um, uh, for for any capacity, uh, and you know, arguably, we would say, yeah, it's putting you at risk. This the concussion is not that obvious, but you know, zero hits to the head is the optimal goal.
0: And and if you do get hit on the head uh, and you don't think you've got a concussion, uh, are, is there a way that the people with you can tell? And I just find out you mentioned his body part and yes. the way he was. Well, there. okay, it,
1: that, he was having a significant yeah. event here. I mean, if you're talking, you know, the person who's out playing on you know, the field, playing soccer or something, and, and you know, get stunned a little bit, the the you know at beside the field sorts of tests that we do are still relatively crude. Mm-hmm. Uh, better than nothing. And and what to do? So you've had a concussion. What should you do? Um, rest. Yeah. Uh, there there are no magic uh, drugs. Just as for Alzheimer's, there's no magic drugs. There's no magic drugs uh, for concussion. Um, resting the brain, uh, and by that, you know, uh, minimizing the stimuli that you're experiencing. Uh, Now's not the time for listening to loud music or, yeah. or reading difficult sections. Um, <clears throat> try to rest.
0: And you mentioned earlier, again while the microphones were off, we were chatting, and you were talking about uh, domestic violence yes. as well. And and we were, uh, I'd mentioned that athletes, you know, we, that had sort of pointed the way in some of this research because you started to see connections there. And then you mentioned domestic violence.
1: Yes. So we recognized something called dementia pugilistica. That's the old term, uh, the dementia of boxers. Mm. And it was recognized that boxers who fought really often. Uh, boxers who were low in their weight class so that the people uh, that they're fighting against frequently uh, weighed more were the people who are really susceptible to this. And so if you look at domestic violence, um, in uh, our society about 17% of women uh, are abused in some fashion. Um, uh, frequently it's often. Uh, and the other issue is is that there's usually a weight disparity between um the woman who is uh, having abuse and the uh male partner who may be doing this to them and so that really does fit this model mm-hmm. um and and i you know really feel quite strongly that this is under recognized uh we don't have treatments for dementia. The best thing we can do is avoid the risk factors. And I think this is one risk factor we should be addressing better than we are. Yeah, it's preventative medicine. Yes, preventative yeah. medicine, exactly.
0: I'm um, speaking with Dr. Don Weaver. He is the director of the Crimble Research Institute. And at the Crimble Research Institute, you do research into the brain. You Certainly, yep. research into uh, uh, Alzheimer's and concussions and that sort of thing. Um, what form does that take? I mean, do you
1: have... The patients that you study, how does it work? Um, and now you're talking about me as an individual? Yeah, OK. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a drug designer. Right. Um, so <clears throat> I like making molecules. <laughs> uh, and so what we do is, is that we look for targets, mm-hmm. um, that is, proteins, uh, structures in the brain that we could design a molecule. We then do computer modeling. What's the three-dimensional shape uh, what's the three-dimensional shape of the receptor? And then how, how do I design a molecule, a drug, that's going to fit into that? It's sort of like um, uh, if I gave you a glove and said design a hand right. uh, that could, that could <laughs> yeah, fit yeah. into that glove. Yeah. And so that's, that's our job. We are basically given gloves, um, uh, shapes uh, in the brain, and then we have to design things that will fit into that. And not only do we have to design them, we then have to figure out how to make them. Mm-hmm. um and so that is what preoccupies our time
0: and and make them in a in a way that uh, it's not going to cost uh, $9000 a <laughs>
1: exactly. pill exactly <laughs> you don't yeah that, that's exactly it i mean you don't want some drug which is going to cost $700 a pill we just can't afford that and so we have to design them and we have to design them in such a way that they can be made efficiently and in a cost effective manner and
0: uh, it, it sounds like you work backwards in a way.
1: I'm frequently backwards, yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it, 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 you're, you're working backwards. You're de- designing a a, a, a
1: a molecule, a drug yeah. that'll fit into a it, yes. receptor. Like yes, a, a,
0: a hand. You're designing a hand, hand to, to fit, fit into, into a glove. glove. That's correct. And yeah, so you're working. It seems slightly. But what are the what are the biggest challenges of it? We mentioned earlier we we're talking about creativity and working yep. in that,
1: and it seems to me there's a great deal of creativity yes. involved there. Yep. Um, there's a lot of challenges. Yeah. Uh, the, um, you know, I always say that uh, every drug is a molecule, but every molecule isn't a drug. Mm. Um, when you design something, you have to think not only am I designing the hand that fits into the glove, I have to have something that you can swallow. Right. Um, that will survive your stomach. Stomach's a pretty hostile place. Right. It's not very nice down there. Uh, and then, you know, that you can absorb. Uh, and once you absorb, that will survive your liver um, because your liver likes attacking strange things mm-hmm. that come into your body. Finally, we have to be able to get it into the brain. There's this entity called the blood-brain barrier. Um, I mean, you know, when I when I teach about drug design, I tell the students... People would be a whole lot simpler if they didn't have livers and they didn't have blood brain <laughs> barriers. I mean, those are the two actually, those are the two biggest impediments that we have to deal with in trying to come up with a drug because your liver wants to, yeah, your, your, you, oh, your liver it wants to, it, it, it just you know beats the hell out of our gorgeous molecules. That's right. Uh, you know, <laughs> most annoying of it, most annoying. <laughs> and have you gotten,
0: I mean, I suppose, and this is a naive question, I guess, but have you gotten to a point where you're like, yes, this will work, except. You can't get – the liver rejects oh, it. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes. Um, we have had uh, instances in which, you know, we went, oh, look at that. You know, in the test tube, this is, a, this is wonderful. You, you go and you start looking and you realize uh, it's got lead feet. Uh, <laughs> it ain't going to fly. Right. Uh, this, is, this has got big issues. Uh, the other thing that is really uh, most annoying um, are patents. Right. Because we have to have something that you can wrap a patent around. And I know people are going to go, well, you know, this is this is all bad, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a clinical trial in Alzheimer's, for example, is going to cost about $600 million. So somebody, some company has got to put up that $600 million, And at the other end of that tunnel, they want to make sure that they have a chance to recoup that $600 million. Their best way to do this is with patent protection. And so... You know, arguably, we could say that patents aren't um, what we should be doing. And, you know, part of my brain says yes, but there's also the cold reality uh, of what the business people want to see. And we have to cater to that as well. When we come back, we continue the conversation with Dr. Don Weaver. Stay
0: with us. They call Dr. Don Weaver the origami master of drug design. Because of the nature of what it takes to design a pill that... Designing you, hands to fit gloves, Designing yes. hands to fit gloves, uh, complex. We talked about that earlier. We also talked about James Cagney earlier. James Cagney, giant movie star in the 30s, 40s, 50s. And he made a movie called Captains of the Clouds in Dr. Weaver's hometown of North Bay, Ontario, and you've been hearing about this since you were a kid. There was Certainly, yes. Yeah, there was a relative. Uh, one of, yours of my hit.
1: relatives was was standing in the background, you know, b- behind the cords, yeah, you know, yeah. as the locals were watching. Um, and he actually saw this event. And, and certainly as a child, I was and, talking about it. And the event was uh, the uh, event.
0: James Cagney getting hit with a propeller yeah, and, and then, then falling and
1: banging his, his head, head. on the pontoon hit. of the boat yeah. as he went in, yes. Uh, and so, um, you know, uh, in years gone by, talking to family members, uh, they would occasionally bring this up, you know, when when that movie was being filmed, um, I actually saw the guy hit his head. And you are a neurologist now, and you
0: say that James Cagney had a concussion yes. at that point. You watch the film in slow motion. We talked about this earlier. Yep. You watch the film in slow motion. You can see body posturing. That would be indicative of that. And then later you say, well, he's ad-libbing his lines rather yes. than going mm-hmm. on the script. And and why did this, I mean, was it the hometown connection with you or your interest in neurology? What is it that, that sort of pushed you towards this story?
1: I find... Uh, concussions, interesting because they are a risk factor um, and uh, to me that was uh, an interesting concussion. The other aspect of this that I find interesting is uh, Cagney did his own autobiography yeah. and he authorized uh, another biography uh, I've read these uh, carefully. <laughs> um, And he talks a lot about concussions he had uh, as a young um, person, uh, street fighting in in the streets of New York. But he really doesn't talk about this. And you know, you go, this was a. Pretty bloody major concussion. He doesn't want to talk about it. Um, he doesn't want to talk about it because you know one suspects he was a little embarrassed. He was trying to do his own stunt and then didn't pan out. Yeah, the street fighting is cool. Yeah, I'm yeah, using that's right.
0: Air quotes around cool. And, yeah, and this was a, a dumb accident that could have been avoided yes. had he used a, a stunt double. And now later in his life, if he had had concussions as a street fighter and had this concussion yep. uh, on film which we can actually see uh it was there were, did he eventually I don't know did he eventually no, develop all no, th- or of No no that's
1: that's also very interesting about him because um once again I have uh Looked diligently, mm-hmm. trying to find uh, evidence that indeed he developed um, um, uh, dementia. He did not, as best we can find out. Uh, you know, he he ultimately uh, passed away from a, a stroke, uh, but seemed to and be he was cognitively very old as well. Yeah, he yeah. was relatively old. Yeah, yeah he was into his eighties, um, yeah. and uh, but cognitively intact up until the end. Which is what I think makes Alzheimer's and concussions
0: and their interactions it varies from person to person. Yeah, so confounding for yes.
1: people.
0: Yep, you know, you exactly. Can, you can talk to boxers who are perfectly lucid after getting 10,000 punches to the head uh, and, you know, 30 years later, n- not, a, not a mark on them and someone can have one or two concussions. And, yes. And, and that can we be We are so variable.
1: Funds. Yep. Everyone's unique.
0: And, and how difficult... I mean, when you're doing a study... Into something like this, and and you talk about how they can cost six hundred million dollars yes, to do yes. an Alzheimer's study. Is it simply because of the variables involved? I mean, there are you you have to have such a wide cross section of of study uh, uh, samples. Yes, that that uh, it just it just start, the dollars start to add up because of that.
1: They do. Um, you know, the last 196 trials that have been done trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's have failed. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's not a, a very good rate. So uh, if you look, one of the big questions is, is Alzheimer's disease one disease? Or is it really a collection of diseases? And we're just not good enough yet to differentiate them. Uh, And if that's the case, maybe we've got the drug out there. We just didn't do the trial right because we just didn't focus in on the subset of people who would respond to it. But that was lost in the noise uh, of doing such a large trial. Um, So we really do need – That made my brain hurt a little bit, (laughs) the idea of
0: just thinking about – Yeah,
1: that it's more than one disease. And perhaps it's a spectrum. It's a syndrome. And there's more than one Alzheimer's disease. You know, Which um, is worrisome because that's going to be uh, uh, another hurdle that we have to climb over in this quest for a cure.
0: And we talked at the very beginning of all of this that that I've said that it seems like there's more people with also Alzheimer's now. You suggest that years ago we just said, oh, Grandma's senile now. So we didn't – it just didn't have a label. Um, But there are various kinds of it then as well. Um, Or is there – the end result's the same, I suppose. The end
1: result's the same. So first of all – all dementia is not Alzheimer's. There's other types of dementia there other than Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's does represent about 75% of the dementias that we get. And now we're beginning to appreciate just how heterogeneous the thing that we call Alzheimer's is itself. Uh, So, uh, yep, these are clinical problems that are going to have to be sorted out. And Will you jump – are you in the middle of one right now, or are you doing uh, – um, a- We have um, developed an agent, which we are continuing to co-develop with a major pharmaceutical partner. And an agent is a, is a pill. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. an yeah. agent is a yeah. pill, yes, yeah. uh, a, a drug. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so we have developed one of those. Uh, we are keeping our fingers crossed, um, and time will tell. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Let's face it, the last 196 have failed – but
0: maybe, you know, it's like, what, what's the old saying? Uh, fall down six times, get up seven. <laughs>
1: um, the uh, My wife says it's a good thing you're pathologically optimistic.
0: <laughs> I suppose in this line of work you would have to be.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm
0: speaking with Dr. Don Weaver. He is the director of... Of uh, the Crimble Research Institute, the origami master of drug design, multiple patent holder, uh, micropharma founder. Um, it, it, what other patents do you hold? So has your work always been specific towards Alzheimer's and that sort of thing? Or? Uh,
1: no, no. Um, I mean, since about 1993, I've had uh, Alzheimer's as my major focus. Uh, we have looked at other areas. Uh, for example, we have looked at epilepsy, mm-hmm. um, and we have tried to design drugs for epilepsy with very varying degrees of success or lack thereof, Uh, and um, uh, also infectious disease. Uh, That has been important because if you look at uh, people with chronic neurologic disease, they are also highly susceptible to infections. Um, And so we have been trying to look at the full spectrum of things that could help people with disorders of brain.
0: It is just remarkable how one, how complex one section of the body can be yes. and in, in that we all work, that we're all able to get up and walk around or many of us are able to get up and walk yes. around and yep. think and lift a coffee cup to our mouths every day truly is a miracle. It is. It really is. Uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Don Weaver. Um, let's talk about James Cagney for one thing. What did you learn? From this what what is there a takeaway from from watching captains of the clouds
1: uh to me the takeaway message was when you talk to a patient about their concussions the answers they give are colored by the impression they want to give
0: interesting yeah yeah
1: um you know uh, they may. T- tell you about concussions. They may not tell you about their concussions. Uh, they have their ego. They have their personal uh, persona pride. that yeah, – yeah, their pride whatever. that they're yeah. trying to maintain. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's difficult uh, to always get the history that you think you're going to get.
0: Well, I think that bleeds into other forms. I have a friend of mine who uh, enjoys a cocktail, mm-hmm. who every time she goes to the doctor and the doctor says all right you know do you smoke no how many drinks do you have a oh i only have uh, two drinks a week when in fact it's yes. probably yes. you know five times that. And as doctors, do you uh, do you have
1: like a, a default that you go, okay, well, if they say two, they mean 10? <laughs> uh, no, because everyone is different. Yeah. I mean, some people are being very accurate. Some people aren't. Um, and so uh, maybe I'm naive, but I frequently believe what I'm told. Yeah. Sometimes I'm skeptical. I,
0: I, I do think that the idea of pride, I had not thought of that in yeah. terms of of. Uh, that we and we we mentioned that because James Cagney talked about all sorts of concussions that he got as a street fighter, but when he got him in a macho way, yeah, it's the it's the mythology of yes. of creating a, a a public persona for yourself. Whether or not those street fights ever happen, who knows? Yes, you know.
1: But he he describes them well. He just, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was. He was an one, actor. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was an actor. Yeah, and a storyteller, uh, but but he got those in a, in a sort of a more interesting way. And this was uh, you know a, a dumb accident, I guess. People just don't was. want to admit yep. fess up to that. Um, what's the future then? Uh, just more trial and error. For Alzheimer's research. I don't know
1: if I like the word error. Uh, uh, No, no, I I understand. uh, I understand perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Um, And when we say trial, that's that's a word that has meaning in my world. They're they're clinical trials. So um, it is looking at new approaches to Alzheimer's disease. Um, Another important point that I want to emphasize is take high blood pressure. How many drugs do we have for high blood pressure? Right. Like 20, all by different mechanisms. And high blood pressure is a lot simpler disorder mm-hmm. than dementia. Thinking that we're going to get the one magic bullet right. probably isn't going to happen. I think that um, you know we're ultimately going to come up with multiple medications that you may have to take a cocktail to work. Right. Like uh, MS or something like that, yeah, where, where you, you know, have to take a You have to take multiple medications hitting the disease from multiple different mechanistic approaches.
0: And do you take away – you talked about the 190-some the, the yep. other trials that have happened. I, is there a kernel that, that you take away from each of these or must uh, be? Oh,
1: certainly, the, the clinical trialists yeah. uh, have learned a lot from that. And so a clinical trial that's going to be done in 2019 versus one that was done in 2009 – Lots of differences. Mm-hmm. We've learned a lot. We can make these trials better.
0: I've been in conversation with Dr. Don Weaver. He is the director of the Crimble Research Institute, uh, neurologist, uh, the origami master of drug design, James Cagney aficionado, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it is interesting. The brain is 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 a fascinating place. Uh, maybe one day we'll understand it, but. I doubt it. Not time. No time soon. No time soon. Nope. No time soon. Uh, Dr. Weaver, thank you so much for stopping by and joining us. Thank you ever so much. Uh, thanks to Robert Turner on the board, and thanks to you for listening. We'll talk again next week.